1863, President Abraham Lincoln gave his Emancipation Proclamation speech, which came at the height of the Civil War, three years into one of the bloodiest wars that this nation has ever experienced. The Emancipation Proclamation was given to begin freeing slaves in the Confederate States. While this did not free slaves out of the entire country, President Lincoln said that it was a necessary step to bring unity back to this great nation. It wasn't until two years later in 1865 with the passing of the 13th Amendment that slavery was finally abolished here in the United States. Now, while slavery was no longer recognized, the effects that it had on this nation, both in the North and the South, could still be felt. No matter what side of the war you were on, the effects of the Civil War were felt. Over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here with us in the study of the Book of Romans, Pastor Andrew has been going through how we have a new life because of the work that Jesus had done on the cross. Romans chapter 5 talks about how because of the sin of Adam, we all inherited a sin nature. Last week in Romans 6, we learned that because of the baptism of, a, of Jesus, that we who have proclaimed him as our Savior, we too have been baptized in that same death, but we also have been given a new life in his resurrection. However, we still feel the weight of sin in our own lives. Whether that is true for the believer or the non-believer, sin still reigns in our lives. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, as Pastor Andrew spoke about last week, mentions that because of God's grace, we are no longer under the law. But as Pastor Andrew said, we also need to understand that that does not mean that we can live however we so choose. And Paul knew that when he wrote his letter. As I was studying this week and as I was reading Romans 6, I read a commentary that said Romans 6 and the entire book of Romans was written not to the non-believers, but to the church in Rome. That the things that Paul was addressing were happening in the congregation that needed to be addressed, that there were truths that people were forgetting, that there were old ways that people were holding on to. And when Paul finished verse 14, it picks up in Romans chapter 6, verse 15, as if he had another aha moment, that his pen wasn't done writing, that he had another thought that came to his mind. And this is where we pick up today. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 15. It says, What then are we to sin because we are under the law, but under that we are no longer under the law, but under grace? 
by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? See, Paul is continuing his thought here that just because we are free from sin under God's grace, that we still cannot justify living in sin. Paul is saying that that former life that you, believer, once lived should no longer be evident within you. But it still is and it still was. And Paul makes a bold comparison here that no matter where you are in your walk, whether you are a non-believer, a new believer, or if you've been a Christian your whole life, you are a slave to something. And that looks different for each and every one of us in this room. Paul is saying here that salvation is not a ticket to live how you want to live, how we often treat it how we know going into a situation, it's a sin. But hey, it's okay. God's going to forgive me. Jesus even addresses this same issue in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And he says this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This was given during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest sermon recorded. And he knew his listeners and his followers we're going back and forth. We see it all throughout Jesus' ministry when the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, what does it take to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him, go sell all of your possessions, come after me. Jesus later in his ministry says, in order to be one of my followers, you must pick up your cross daily and follow me. The cross was an instrument of death. Jesus was telling his listeners that in order to be a true follower of me, you must die to yourself daily and follow me. In Romans chapter 6, Paul uses a unique word. I'm going to teach y'all a little Greek this morning, so I hope you're ready. He uses the word doulos, when talking about slave. Doulos could have a couple of different meanings. It can mean servant, servanthood, or slave. The context in which Paul is writing this is that word slave. And it brings it a little bit more heavier when you understand what a slave is. A servant is someone who has a say in 
how they do their job, when they're going to do their job. If they don't agree with what the master says, they can say, hey, it's a good idea, but let's try it this way. A slave, on the other hand, they have no say. When the master tells them to do something, they do it. They do it without question. They do it without hesitation. The sole purpose of a slave is to serve the master. Paul is saying here that you are either a slave to sin or a slave of righteousness. We can't choose to serve both. One North American Mission Board leader put it this way, the gospel isn't accepting Jesus into your life. It's about Jesus taking over your life, and that's radically different. When Jesus enters into your life, when the song that we just sang, my chains are gone, I've been set free, there needs to be a radical transformation in one's life. Paul continues his thought, picking up in verse 17 through 19, saying this, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading, in, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Paul was not only addressing the church in Rome, but Paul was also addressing former slaves. The idea of slavery was huge in the Roman Empire. The Romans would conquer nations and they would take men, women, and children to be slaves. So the idea of being set free was a new concept to them. Just like for some of us in this room, the idea of truly being free from what holds us so deeply seems strange. Paul says, but thanks be to God that you once were slaves, have been committed to what you have learned. So what is he talking about there? How can you be truly committed to the things that you have learned? Psalm 119, 9-11 says this. It's a very common passage. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored your word up in my heart that I may not sin against you. Over the last couple of weeks on Wednesday nights in our youth study, we've been going through habits, and we've been talking about prayer. And one of the topics that we talked about was meditation. In the Eastern culture, when one meditates, they're usually emptying themselves out of all negative thoughts and just trying to get back to this 
center of their life. So when you hear meditation, sometimes you think about, you know, sitting with your legs crossed, you know, your little hands like this, going, um, mm, or going to a resort, spa, getting treatment to where you just get to the point of relaxation to where when you enter into that room, the weight of what was holding on to you was removed. But as a believer, our meditation is different. As a believer, we are to be consumed and filled with God's word. What that means is it should be the first thing we think about when we wake up and the last thing on our mind before we go to bed. When there is a decision that we have to make, that we are seeking God's direction in that decision, that we are not taking a step without seeking counsel. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Are we really hiding God's word in our heart? Are we really allowing it to radically transform our lives daily? Or are we still allowing our lives to be consumed by that sin nature that once held us in slaves? Romans 6, 1 through 14 talks about the baptism, recognizing that we have died to our sins and that we were raised into life with Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The tree. Peter didn't even recognize it as a cross, but a tree. The instrument of death that we all should have paid was paid for us. That's why if you claim to be a Christ follower, that your life is not yours to live that your life is to bring honor and glory to God and to God alone. And the righteousness that Paul talks about, the righteousness that Peter talks about, can be found on how one should live his or her life. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12 through 15, and it says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. There needs to be a transformation in our lives. I was talking to Pastor Richard a couple weeks ago, 
during one of our Bible studies, and I made the comment that I really don't like telling people my testimony. And he kind of looked at me funny and was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you know, I really don't feel like my testimony has that really heavy weight that you hear a lot of testimonies have. The ones who were drug addicts, the ones who were alcoholics, the ones who were in prison, the ones who life just didn't give them a fair hand. And then they hit rock bottom, and at rock bottom is when they found Jesus. And from that moment, their lives were radically changed and transformed, and their friends who they used to live those lifestyles with saw the change and saw how Jesus transformed them. And I was like, how can my testimony compare to that? Because I didn't struggle with any of those things that you often hear a lot. And Richard, in his immense wisdom, said this, that the testimony I have is just as strong as that testimony because of what God kept me from. And it is the same transformation that happened in my life despite not experiencing those type of situations that happened in each and every one of those individuals. God doesn't change you based on how good you were, how bad you were. God changes you because of who he is and what he has done. That is what it means to have true freedom in Christ. That is what it means to be a slave of righteousness. That the slavery that we held so dear to in our previous life, what did it accomplish? Nothing. And Paul elaborates on that, picking up in verse 20 through 23. And it says this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Paul is saying here, the life that you lived in bondage of slavery held no significance the only significance that it held was a life of death. Back in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was good, and on the seventh day, it was very good, we are told that the one commandment that God gave Adam and Eve was to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you eat that, God says, you will surely die. Satan came on the scene, and often like he does in my life, your life, and we see it all the way back from the beginning, he twists God's word. He begins to make you doubt 
did God really say you'll die? Surely that's not the case. If anything, you'll be more like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And then instead of running from sin and the temptation like Adam and Eve should have done, like you and I often do in our own lives, we see that that temptation, yeah, it's really not that bad. You know, it does look good. Sure, I'll bite. And then, surprisingly, Adam and Eve didn't drop dead physically. But they began to die spiritually from that moment forward. And that was the death that sin produces, is a spiritual death. While we all may one day, or not may one day, we all will one day experience a physical death. But before Jesus, we were all spiritually dead. And if you think back in your own life, before you came to that decision of having Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what were you accomplishing? What did you have to show for that life? Are the things that Paul talks about that you are now ashamed of, do we still run back to those things? When life gets too hard, when we don't get what we want, do we run back to that security blanket of sin because it comforts us? For what we were once ashamed of leads towards death. The Bible is full of instances where the Israelites were living in open disobedience to God's commandments. God would punish them. God would send rulers over them. God would do whatever it took to get their focus back on him. And then if the individual didn't turn back and truly repent of their sin, Ultimately, physical death was the result of their sin. Like Pastor Andrew said a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry this isn't the feel-good sermon that you guys probably wanted to come to today. But I love the next word. And I have to be careful when I say this, and I promised myself I wouldn't say this, but there's a really big but in this passage. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that, gets, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and in itself eternal life. Following and obeying God's commandments is the greatest decision that you and I can make this side of heaven. Now what Paul doesn't say here is that when you believe in Jesus and you are set free from your sins, your life will be okay. Nothing will go wrong. Easy sailing. He doesn't say that. He says that the life you live leads to eternal life. And I had to remind myself again 
in closing with Romans 6.23 that this letter was not addressed to non-believers. This letter, again, was addressed to a church. And Romans 6.23, as we often put it towards non-believers, because the wages of sin, yes, is ultimately a spiritual death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is still true for you and I today. That if you are living in a lifestyle of open disobedience of, in sin, your life will reflect it. There will be trials. There will be difficulties. There will be things in your life that you just don't understand why this is happening to you. And then that small whisper, as God often does, it says, because there is unrepented sin in your life. And by giving that sin over to God is when true freedom can be found. If you've ever heard one of the testimonies of these individuals who struggled with drug addiction, alcoholism, or lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it is, they've usually come to the same conclusion, and that is that they have been set free from that. So, as I often tell the students here, parents, I'll tell you what I teach your kids so you know what I'm teaching them. I can't make the decision for you. I can't tell you how to live your life. I can't force you to live your life. Only you can make that decision for yourself. And each and every day, you and I need to make that decision. Are we going to live in open disobedience against God's commandments, which leads to death? Or are we going to choose to live a life that's completely sold out to God? Slavery often has a negative connotation because of the history of that word. But being a slave of righteousness and a slave of God is the most rewarding title a believer can have. And the truth today is this, that as followers of Christ, we should no longer be controlled by our old sin nature, but we should be guided by the Holy Spirit, which leads to life. I don't know what each and every one of you in this room are struggling with, but God does. My favorite story in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son, because we're all prodigals. We all run from God in our own way. We all choose to disobey God. We all seem like we know what's better for ourselves than what the creator of the universe knows. And what I love about that story is the moment when the son realizes that the father's servants have a better life 
than what he's currently living. And he gets this idea, this thought process in his mind that says, you know, I'm just going to go back to my dad, and I'm going to say I'm sorry, and, you know, you can make me a servant, you can make me a slave, you know, because anything is better than how I'm living now. So as the son is going back to the father, the father is on the porch. The father is looking for his son. And the moment the father sees his son, he runs to him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how far you've wandered from God, believer. But the minute you turn back to God, he's there. In fact, he's waiting for you to turn back to him now. And if there is anyone in this room who doesn't know God and the free pardon of salvation, as we just read Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, that the life that you are living is leading to death. Sin, as Pastor Andrew puts it, is those things that we do when we lie, cheat, steal, take God's name in vain. When we deliberately disobey God's commandments, whether we know it or not. And unfortunately, the just punishment for that sin is eternal separation from God. But God, and the free gift of eternal life, offer salvation. We're coming up on Christmas for any of my late shoppers in here, you have 14 days until Christmas. Wouldn't it be great if you walked into Walmart and everything on the shelves was free? They had enough stock of it. The supply chain wasn't broke. And you could just take whatever you wanted. You could wrap it up and you could give it to your loved one on Christmas morning and it was exactly what they wanted. That'd be pretty great, right? That's the free gift of God. That it is there and it is readily available for you. And all you have to do is take it. And God's grace and his mercy never runs out. The Bible says it's new every day. But you have to choose for yourself, as we studied in Joshua. As for me and my household, we will choose to serve the Lord. Who will you choose to serve today? Will you continue to live a life in direct disobedience of God's commandments? Or will you begin to truly taste freedom by living a life of righteousness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Paul's letter that, yes, the idea of being bound to sin and slavery is not a topic that we often like to discuss because of how uncomfortable it can make us feel at times, but, God, it is necessary to understand just how good your grace and mercy is that it helps us understand how 
weight of sin controls us, but how freeing salvation redeems us. God, if there are any individuals here today who don't know you in that free pardon of salvation, I pray today that they would make that decision before they leave here. That no matter where they are in their life, no matter the things that they've done, no matter what they think about themselves, that they think that God cannot love them and forgive them. Your word often says, but God. Not but them, but us, but God. It's not about what we've done, it's about what you have done, Lord. God, if there is anyone here today who wants to know you, I pray during this time of invitation that they can just repeat this prayer after me from their heart to your heart. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I've broken your commandments over and over. But God, I recognize my sin and I recognize that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me to take the penalty of my sin, Lord. God, I believe that three days later he rose from the grave, not only proving that he was man, but fully God, and that I too one day will be with him in heaven, Lord. God, for the believers in here, if they are living in open disobedience and sin, I pray that they would come back, that they would begin to be free of those bondage that keeps them from having a true life of freedom in you. God, we ask that during this invitation time that your will would be done and that you would be honored and glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.